so the benchmark really th- that I've seen over the last 10, 15, 20 years um, in, in churches in general, a church gathering, the benchmark for success in a church and, and judging a church, whether or not it's, it's successful, has been more about how's the attendance of the church? Is the church growing? Is there a lot of people coming? Rather than what is the Holy Spirit doing in the midst of the people who are there? And and this can be a, a very dangerous thing because church growth does not always equate to a move of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not against church growth. I think church growth is a, bad, is a good thing. But if, if it becomes the focus, some people get so focused on the numbers and so focused on people, people, and look how big our ministry is and how big our church is and how rapid it's growing that we're not actually taking time to, to listen to the Spirit and see how the Spirit wants to lead those people who are coming. Jesus is not against numbers. He's not against the church growing. He, he, he loves people. He wants people to come to know him. But we see in culture today that just because something is growing and gaining traction and momentum does not necessarily mean that that is a genuine move of the Holy Spirit. And so this is something that, that I've been having to, to, to wrestle with. This is an idea that I've been processing because over the last six months, this church has grown uh, in, in a very rapid way. This is not normal that a church goes from 20 people to around 200 in a six-month period. The average church in America is around 80 people. Four out of five church plants die within the first two years. And so what's happening here is, is not normal. But just because it's growing so much doesn't mean that this is the Holy Spirit. And so I want to be very careful. I, I feel a lot of responsibility as the leader of this church to, to make sure that we are walking, as I talked about last week, in step with the Spirit. That it's not just, look how many people are here. This thing's amazing. This is great. But we want to really be in tune with what the Spirit is doing. And you could get a charismatic leader. You could get a great worship band. You could get an amazing creative team and have an amazing location. And guess what? A a church is going to grow. And it doesn't even have to be a Christian church. If you got a dude who can speak real well and awesome music and an awesome location and an awesome vibe, like whether you're a Christian church or not, like people are attracted to excellence. Something's going to grow if you've got great people with great talent uh, coming and doing their thing and using their gifts. But the reality is this. We uh, can, without a conscious choice, without relying on the Holy Spirit, we can actually do a lot with our natural gifts and, and with our natural talents. And that can become a dangerous thing in the church if we're relying on our natural talent, our natural skill, our, our natural way that we've been created because talent actually attracts people. Why do you think that Drake or Bieber or whoever you're into packs out all these stadiums? These are talented musicians. And we're like, wow, that music's great. Wow, they're talented. I want to go see them. Why do you think art museums all over the world are filled with people? We, we value excellence. Wow, that art is great. Wow, that's amazing. I want to check that out. Why do you think people go and pack out theaters to hear a comedian who's, who's mastered his craft? Wow, he's a great speaker. Wow, that's amazing. And with our natural talent and natural skills, we can draw people in. God has gifted people in a natural way who who have natural skills and in their ability, they can reach a lot of people. But if we're, and this is where we need to be careful, as we're watching this this church grow and, and gaining momentum and seeing more people come, the question that we have to ask is this, 
Are we, A, relying on our natural skill and natural talent and, and relying on ourselves and the human wisdom that we may have? Or are we genuinely waiting on and saying, Spirit, what do you want to do? What do you have planned for us? Because the reality is this. If everything that happens in the church is explainable, then I believe we're, we're missing out on the power of the Holy Spirit and the very reason that Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. If you can put together an equation as to why that church is growing, why there is a ton of people there, we're missing out on the Holy Spirit. And, and a lot of churches today, you can just see a, a perfect equation. It doesn't necessarily mean the spirit is doing something. It's that dude's really funny. He's a great speaker. The, the, the band is phenomenal. The graphics are cool. And so it's like, wow, that's a cool place to be. I want to go there. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, that the, that the Holy Spirit is moving and doing something. And so I want to be careful and be sensitive to the spirit because I don't want what happens here on a Sunday to be explainable. I want to wait on the spirit and let the spirit do what he wants to do. And when the spirit moves, when the spirit comes and shows up, we can't explain that. I don't want this church to be explainable. I don't want my life to be explainable. And I hope that that would be the same for you. Like, how is your life? How is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Like, is it explainable? Is it like, oh, like he's just doing that. He's just going through the routine. Or is it, wow, how are they doing that? How, how, how are those things happening? The Holy Spirit is doing something and using that in an individual in a way that's unexplainable. And, and that's what we should seek after. That, that's ultimately what we should see taking place in the church. If the Spirit has control, if the Spirit is moving, we won't be able to put an equation together for how to make a church grow. It's just going to be this is happening and we don't understand it and it's the spirit and we're going to get behind and walk by the spirit, him leading us, submitting, following what he has and, and we don't know how that's happening. That's the way that it should be. And it's so cool. I was here a couple days ago. I was walking from here over to Northwest Raw. I ran into my neighbor who lives next door to me and I've had a couple conversations with him. He knows that I'm a pastor and stuff like that. And he's like, hey, what's going on? We were like down in the corner. I was like, oh, I was just like over here at our new church. And I told him the story like, you know, we started six months ago and we were just given this building by this other church. It's right down there. And he was like freaking out. He was like, wait, what? And, and the dude's not a Christian. He's like, they like, they, they gave you like that building. I was like, yeah, dude. Like they, they believed like that what God was doing through us was really cool. And they just invited us in and kind of just let us take complete control. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, I know, bro. I was like, it, it doesn't at all. I was like, I didn't, I didn't make that happen. We can't make that happen. And when the spirit is moving, there should be things like that where you're like, that just doesn't make sense. That just doesn't happen in real life. Things like that shouldn't happen. But when the Spirit is doing what only the Spirit can do, and when we're saying yes to the Spirit and walking in step with the Spirit, He shows up and He moves and He does what He wants to do. So my question for us that I think we really have to wrestle with as we are in a growing church, a growing context here, the question that I want you to ask yourself like on a real genuine level is simply this. Are you more excited showing up on Sunday because there's a crowd 
because there's a lot of people, because there's a lot of cool stuff going on, or are you more excited on Sunday because you have an expectation that when I go to that church on Sunday, the Holy Spirit's going to do something? You need to ask yourself that question. Why are you here? Is it, this is cool, the music's awesome, the speaker's great, things are so cool there, or is it, I'm going there, I'm coming on Sunday, because something different is happening, something unexplainable is happening, the, the Holy Spirit is doing something in me, he's changing me, and, and if we're here, because it's a cool place to be, and, and there's a large crowd, and this is so awesome, you're going to miss out on what the Spirit wants to do in you, and what the Spirit is doing through this church. And the reality is this, we want this to be a place where people come because they are encountering the Holy Spirit. If you go to a church and you leave saying, that was cool, that was good, that was awesome, that was rad, but you don't leave feeling like the Holy Spirit spoke to you and moved and is convicting you and drawing you closer to the person of Jesus. If you don't feel the Spirit doing something in you, I don't care what church you go to, even if it's this one, you should not be at a church where the Holy Spirit is not speaking to you. We need to be sensitive to and open to what the Spirit is trying to do. And the reality is this. A crowd is not everything. A lot of people is not that big of a deal. Jesus himself, he had the crowds following him all the time. Everywhere he went, the multitudes wanted to be with him. There was thousands and thousands of people following Jesus. But guess what? Jesus wasn't so concerned with the crowds. He didn't define his ministry because, whoa, look how many people are here. His ministry wasn't defined by, look at all the people. This is awesome. Look how many people are following me. His ministry was defined by, from birth to his death and even after, the moving and the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Jesus' birth, baptism, public ministry, miracles, the power of his preaching, and the continuance of his ministry after his resurrection is all attributed in the Gospels to the Holy Spirit. Every facet of his life, every part of his life, it says that the Holy Spirit came miraculously upon Mary and the virgin birth happened and he was conceived by a virgin. It was miraculous. It was of the Holy Spirit. He was baptized. The Holy Spirit came down from heaven. He went in the power of the Spirit and began to preach. So his ministry wasn't defined by, look at all the people who are here. His ministry was effective and defined by the Holy Spirit was leading him and he Jesus, God, in the flesh, was following the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, and that's why his ministry was so successful. Even after his resurrection, Jesus went into heaven, he told the disciples, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit. He said, it's better for you that I leave the earth because I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And when they, the disciples, in the book of Acts chapter 2, were there waiting in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples in the upper room. And guess what happened? The early church exploded. It went from 12 dudes who Jesus invested his life in, 12 disciples, to immediately after that, as Peter was filled with the power of the Spirit preaching, 3,000 got saved, then 5,000. And the early church began to explode and grow, and it was miraculous, and it was attributed to all through the book of Acts. Read it. 
the coming, the empowering, the filling, the people walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the only problem I have with this is simply, I don't see it today. I read what the Holy Spirit does in the Bible, and I believe it, and I say, yes, I want that, but there's a gap between our theology and our theological integrity. We say, I believe that, but we don't live that. We say, that's cool, but we don't experience it. And so my, 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 my problem is, why is there such an absence of the power of the Holy Spirit in the church today? This is something I've been wrestling with for a long time. I've worked at a lot of different churches, and they're amazing churches. They're gospel-centered churches. There's nothing wrong with them. But I personally have just felt like we're missing something. I felt like, where is the, where, where's the Holy Spirit in the midst of all of this? And it honestly seems like a lot of churches today would resemble more of what we see in 1 Kings chapter 18 than, than what a biblical church should actually look like. And so I want you to look there. 1 Kings chapter 18. If you're familiar with this story here, basically Elijah, a prophet of God, is up on this mountain, Mount Carmel, or you can just say Carmel, which is cool. He's up on the mountain of Carmel, and there's 450 prophets of Baal. Baal was a false god who they worshipped, and Elijah says to them in verse 21, check it out, 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah came near to the people and said, how long will you go at limping between two different opinions? If, Baal, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer a word. So Elijah's like, you guys, there's, there's 450 of you. If the Lord is God, follow him. If you're God who you think is Baal, then follow him. And so Elijah calls them to a test. He says, you know what? We're going to see who the one true God is. We're going to see if it's Baal or we're going to see if it's Yahweh. And so he gives them the 450 worshipers of Baal. He gives them a calf and he says, build an altar and you can put it on the altar. And he said, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to put a calf on an altar and we're each going to call out to our God and we're going to see who answers and we're going to see what happens. And so look at verse 26. It says this. And they, the 450 worshipers of Baal, the prophets, they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them saying, cry out loud for he is a God Either he is musing or he's relieving himself or he's on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of oblation, but there was no voice no one answered, and no one paid attention. Here was the worshipers of Baal. Here's what their worship service looked like. A lot of people, 450 of them. It was real passionate. They're dancing around. They're crying out to God. They're following their tradition and their custom, which was they had to cut themselves. So they're like, come on. 
come on guys, let's sing, let's cry out to Baal, let's dance around. There was a lot of energy. There was a lot of momentum. There was a lot of people. There was a lot of worship going on. There was a lot of tradition that they were following. And yet at the end of all of that, which probably looked like a pretty cool religious experience, it probably looked like a pretty cool thing. Whoa, look at all those people. Look at all the worship. Look at how passionate they are. And at the end of it, it specifically says, but there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. And I'm just fearful that this is a lot of times, sadly, what the Christian church has begun to look like. From morning till night, we can be super passionate. Oh, we're praising God, we're worshiping, we're dancing, we're excited. And yet at the end of it, there's no voice. There is no voice of God. There there is no one who pays attention. There is no one who answered. And this is what I've felt for a long time is is taking place and kind of has crept into the church. We've got so caught in all these traditions and these routines and here's what we're doing and it's exciting and there's a lot of people and so we're like, let's just keep doing what we've always done and then we leave and we weren't changed. We we leave and, and no one answered. We leaved and, and we did not experience and encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit. But check this out. Uh, verse 30, Elijah, he said to the people, come near to me. And all the people came near, near to him. So Elijah is now preparing his altar. The bull is on it, who he's about to call out to God. And he says, you know what? Let's kind of step up the game a little bit here. He tells the prophets of Baal, grab four pitchers of water and fill them up with water and dump them all over my bowl and all over my altar. And he tells them to do that three times. So they go fill up these giant jugs. They dump them all over his altar. They dump them all over the bowl. And finally, in once it's completely drenched and a trench which he dug around the altar was completely full of water. Elijah's like, okay, now I'm going to call out to my God. And look what happens in verse um, 36. It says, at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, oh God, oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me and this people, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then, verse 38, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. So Elijah, what he does looks a lot different than what the worshipers of Baal did. Elijah comes before God, and it says, he says a simple prayer. He says, God, I pray that these people would know that you are the one true God. I pray that you would turn the hearts of these people back to you. That's it. That's all he does. He says a simple prayer, praying that God would reveal himself to these people, praying that God would show them that he is the one true God. And what takes place is miraculous. It says that the fire of the Lord came down from heaven and it consumed not just the offering, but all of the wood, the stones, the dust, and even the water that had filled the trench around it. He prays, God, show yourself. 
God, reveal yourself to these people. And a physical, visible manifestation of God's presence comes down in the presence of all the people and consumes the offering. He revealed himself to them. He spoke visibly through his presence, through the fire. And the question I have to wrestle with is simply this. Do we see this happening in the church today? What is the end result of our Sunday morning church gathering? Is it there was a lot of people, a lot of commotion, a lot of energy, a lot of crying out to God, and no voice? No fire, no one answered, we just walk out the door unchanged? Or is it we come and just expect and believe that, like Elijah, God, you're gonna do something. You're gonna show up. You want to reveal yourself to these people, and so we ask that you would reveal yourself. And the fire comes down from heaven. Are we experiencing the physical manifestation of God's glory in our midst? Or are we leaving and was like, nothing happened. There was a lot of worship. There was a lot of teaching. There was a lot of people hanging out, but there was no voice of God. There was no manifestation. And this is what I'm having to wrestle with. This is what I want. I want to see and experience what God wants for us which is his power, his presence, his glory coming into the church and changing people's lives. Not a religious experience of that was cool, that was a lot of people, we were doing a lot of cool stuff, but nothing actually happened. And the reality is this, we can sing, we can dance, we can make offerings to God, we can make worship to God, but at the end of the day, the question we all need to ask ourselves is, did the fire of God come down? Did the spirit of God come and move and and, and reveal himself and, and change us and show us and prove to us as Elijah prayed, he is God. He is the one true God. And this is what happened at the day of Pentecost as well. Acts chapter two, the disciples were all in the upper room. They were waiting for the promise Jesus said, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. They were waiting, they were praying, and it says, like a mighty rushing wind, the Spirit came and filled the upper room, and it says, tongues as of fire fell upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Even at Pentecost, the fire of God, the Holy Spirit of God came down and empowered the disciples and that's how they were able to go out and make other disciples. That's how there was such radical growth and not just growth in numbers, people actually getting saved, people getting baptized, disciples making disciples. It was a result of the Holy Spirit. And my problem is, it just seems to be missing in the church today. We have a lot of cool experiences and great worship and great teaching and I met some great people and I had a great time but at the end of the day my question is did the Holy Spirit come and did he do something did did he reveal himself did he speak did did he change anybody's life and and I think that uh, uh, for me personally I'm just tired of not encountering that I'm tired of reading about that and seeing that that's what God wants to do. He wants to give us the fullness of the Spirit. He wants to empower us by the Spirit 
to live an unexplainable life, to see unexplainable things happen. He wants to do that, and yet the reality is there's a lot of excitement in the church a lot of times, but no genuine encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the reason I say that is simply this. Here's why I say that. When we leave church, when you leave on a Sunday morning, what's the typical nature of conversation and the way you spoke about what happened at a church gathering? You leave church on Sunday, you leave a a weekend retreat, you leave a really cool conference, and the typical language is, man, that teaching was really great, or that worship was really great, the songs were so cool, those lights were, were, were so cool. Man, that experience was, was so rad. It was such a good church service today. We focus on all these things. The teaching was great. The worship was great. That guy was great. That person was funny. The lights were cool. The building was awesome. That is the typical conversation that we have. Not God is great. God did something. God showed up, God moved. It wasn't about the worship team. It wasn't about the teaching. It wasn't about the people. It was, I walk out the door and I'm not talking about things. I'm not talking about experiences. I'm not talking about a teaching. I'm saying, God did something. The spirit showed up and listened to what he did. I have to share this with you. What happened at church is not explainable. The spirit came and moved. If you were with Elijah on the mountain and you saw God come down and consume that offering, you'd be telling everybody. You'd be like, fire came down from heaven. And I just don't see that happening after church. We go, man, that was a cool teaching. Man, that was awesome worship. The focus is not on what God did. And I believe it's because we're lacking the power and the presence of the Spirit in our corporate gatherings. Now, check this out. 1 Kings 18, look at verse 39. After the fire came down, after God manifested his presence before Elijah and the prophets of Baal, look at the result of verse 39. When all the people, that is the false prophets of Baal, When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The result after them experiencing what happened when the presence of God came down wasn't, wasn't that awesome how Elijah did that? Wasn't that cool how Elijah called down fire from heaven? The result after encountering the presence and the fire of God was The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They testified that the Lord had showed up, that he moved, that he did something. They realized that what took place could not have been manufactured or manipulated by Elijah. Elijah had nothing to do with that. Elijah could not make that happen. Elijah could not have forced that. And they knew that. They knew this isn't about Elijah. He didn't do anything at all. This was about God. God showed up. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And, and, and I just feel like this is what's lacking in our corporate gatherings. That we're experiencing in such a tangible way the presence of God, the spirit of God moving, that we say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Instead, we are leaving and saying, that was great stuff, but at the end of the day, 
there was no fire. There was no voice. There, there was no the spirit of God coming and moving and doing only what he could do. And the reason for this is we have substituted in the church the Holy Spirit for human wisdom and human procedures and human tradition and human routine. We're just gonna do what we've always done. We're just gonna stick with the routine. We're just gonna do what we know and play it safe and everyone can come in and everyone's gonna feel really good that there was some good worship and a cool teaching and we're just gonna do that and leave and and go about our week. But where's the presence of God? Where's the fire? Where is the Lord showed up and did something? I just believe this. I just believe we've substituted what the Holy Spirit wants to do in the body of Christ for just human wisdom and human tradition. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you can write this down if you're a note taker, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 and 5, here's what Paul said. My speech and message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that... Your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul says, the message I brought, the gospel, it was not a manufactured thing of human wisdom. He said it was in demonstration of the spirit and of power. The spirit showed up through the proclamation of the word. The spirit moved in a powerful way. He said it wasn't about human wisdom. It wasn't about what we've always done. It wasn't about how can we get more people into the church. It had nothing to do with what we think is best. It had everything to do with Paul saying, I'm surrendering and submitting to the spirit. And through submitting to the spirit, he shows up in power and he moves and he changes people. And when the church becomes a human creation that we make in our own image and then what we and how we do it the way we want the church becomes irrelevant the church loses its power the church loses its authority when it becomes about here's how we think we should do it but when we the church the body of christ submit to what the spirit wants to do and follow the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. The gospel goes forth, not by human wisdom. A church gathering takes place, not by human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And when that happens, the end result is people praise God. People declare God's goodness. People say God showed up and God did something because when the spirit of God is invited into the gathering, God is present in the gathering. The Holy Spirit is God. But when it's about this is what we think and how it should be done, we're lacking the element of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us, to lead us, to guide us as individuals and in the church gathering as well. So the question is this. How do we as a church begin to step into and embrace and walk in the power of the Spirit here and now, in our gathering. How, how do we do that? Because even that is not something we can manufacture. It, it can't be about that. How will we begin to see the Spirit show up and, and take control and do what he wants to do? How can we embrace that as a church body? I think Simply put, the thing that we need to do is what we see in 1 Kings 18, is what we see in Acts chapter 2. Here's what Elijah did. 
He just prayed. He just gave a simple prayer. God, I'm not going to try and do anything here. I'm not going to try and make the fire come on the altar. I just ask that you do that, that you move, that you show up, and I'm going to get out of the way, and that's it. And Elijah said a simple prayer, got out of the way, and he didn't have to manufacture or try and do anything. The fire of God came down. In the book of Acts, they were in the upper room. They were simply sitting there waiting on the Spirit. They believed that he was going to come. They believed that God wanted to do something, and they were sitting and waiting and praying, and the fire of the Spirit came down in the book of Acts. And when the Spirit shows up, and when the Spirit moves, when we ask him to, when we get out of the way, when we pray and we wait on him, he shows up and he moves and he changes things. And the crazy thing is this. We have a greater advantage than even Elijah. We have the resurrected Christ who Elijah didn't have at that point in time. And we already have the Holy Spirit. If you've accepted Jesus, he's given you the Holy Spirit, which is the seal, the guarantee of your inheritance. We already have the Holy Spirit. And we know Jesus has already conquered the grave. He's already given it to us. And the question is just simply this. Are we willing to step into that? Are we willing to receive what we've already been given? And I think in order for that to take place, we have to be in a place of desperation. I think this is what's lacking. We have him, and we know that, and we've just kind of forgotten about him. And and so we don't really see our need for him. We're not desperate for him. Elijah had no plan B. There was no backup plan. He was so desperate. God, you have to show up. You have to bring the fire. You have to do what only you can do. There wasn't, you know what? If nothing happens, I'm gonna get out an acoustic guitar and like lead some worship songs and then maybe the people of Baal will get saved. He was completely dependent, believing that God's gonna show up and God's gonna do something. I'm gonna pray. He said, I'm gonna get out of the way and I'm gonna let God do what he wants to do. And I just think the reason that the American church, specifically in the West, has not seen the power of the Spirit at work in our gatherings is because we don't need him. We don't need you, Holy Spirit. We got this. We got a cool worship set. We got a cool building. We got cool lights. We got a great pastor. We got all this stuff, so we don't need you. You can kind of hang out on the sidelines. We'll plan it all out. We'll do everything, and we'll make it happen. And that's why we do not typically see the power of the Spirit at move in his people, in the gatherings, in the West, simply because we are not like Elijah. We haven't reached a place of desperation where we say, I need the Holy Spirit. We have him, but do we need him? You have him, but do you need him? Are you you desperate for the Spirit? Are you dependent on the Spirit? The church will see the power of God and the power of the Spirit move in our midst only when we reach a place of desperation and say, I need you. Only when we find dissatisfaction in there was no voice, there was no fire, there was no power, there was no spirit. When did the church become content with that? I don't know the answer. I just know we are. I just know we're content with, that was cool, that was fun, but there was no fire, there was no spirit, there was no power, but we're cool with it. 
And as long as we're cool with that, we're not going to experience what the Spirit wants to do. And I'm at a place where I'm ready just to give it all up. I'm at a place where I don't even care. I'm at a place where I've been in the church and grew up in the church my whole life, and I'm saying, I want this. I want what I see you doing in the Bible. But I realize even me, I don't experience it because I realize I'm in the same boat with all of you. I'm comfortable. Things are great, and therefore I don't need the Spirit. But I believe that this is what God wants to do. I believe he wants to show up in a way that we can't manufacture, in a way that, that we can't make happen in our own strength. We're going to put our human wisdom and our traditions and the way we do things aside, and we're going to do what Elijah did. We're just going to pray and ask that the Holy Spirit will come and do something. And I have no idea what that means, and I have no idea what that looks like, and I have no idea what might even happen, but I'm okay with that. Because I want this. I'm tired of, oh, that was good, but nothing happened. No spirit, no fire, just another cool service. I don't want that. I'm bored of that. I've done that my whole life. I want the power of the spirit. And that's why Jesus gave it to us. And so we're going to start as a church embracing this. We're going to start stepping out in faith in this, believing, I believe, this is what the spirit wants to do. He wants to move. He, he, he wants to do something. He, he wants to show us his power. And when we leave today, it's not going to be, that was great. It was going to be, God did something. God spoke to me. God revealed himself. God encouraged. God did what only he could do. It's through the spirit. But because we don't need him, and because we don't pray, and because we don't wait, we don't experience it. And so, we're going to start right now. We're just going to pray and ask that God would do that. We're going to pray that he would send the Holy Spirit. My in-laws are from Romania, and I hear stories of when they were in Romania, in the basement, the persecuted church praying, and the Spirit showed up and was doing amazing things. And I'm like, I want that. I I, want to be desperate for you. I want to need you. And this is what I want to do today. I want us corporately, God's people, God's children, to realize our need for the Holy Spirit and to ask him, to ask God to send him, to ask God to show us, although we have him, we also need him. And I believe that as we ask, God says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? We already have him, but have we been asking for him? Have we been seeing our need for him? And so this is what I want to do. I want us to pray. I want us to ask God to send his spirit. And I want us, like the disciples in Acts 2, to just wait. And so we're just going to let the spirit lead this time. We're going to let him do what he wants to do. And so if he puts it on your heart, I want to open it up corporately for us to pray. I want you to pray wherever you're at. I want you to pray out loud so that people can agree with you, so people can hear you. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and do what he wants. And then we're just going to sit and wait. It could be a long time of silence, and I'm okay with that. It, 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 it could feel weird for some of you and uncomfortable because you've never stepped into that, but I'm okay with that because we need to create space for the Holy Spirit to come. So I'm going to ask, and then we're going to wait, and I want to encourage you guys Let's pray together. 
Like, let, let's be a church that prays together. That's a good start, right? Like, let's pray. So, Holy Spirit, I believe you want to do something. I believe you, you want to shake us up. You want to declare your power and your goodness and your glory to us. You want us to leave here today saying, how great is God? How great is the Holy Spirit? How amazing is he? That's what you want us to say. And so I simply ask that you would show up. I simply ask that you would come, that, that you would speak, that you would reveal yourself to us, that we would know you more, that we would experience you in, in a tangible way and walk out of here changed, walk out of here having encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. So I ask for that. I, 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 I put everything else aside. I have no plan B. I have no backup things planned. I'm just gonna wait. I, we, we just wanna wait on you. We just wanna hear from you. So we ask, Holy Spirit, just come and, and just do what you wanna do in this time.